and welcome to episode 37 of Stories from a Bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and for this episode, I'm hanging out with Dave Gardell, owner of The Ruck, local landmark here in Troy. At, at now, yeah, you guys have been around quite a while now, I think, right? Yeah, it's going to be 23 years in January, The Ruck's been Wow, here. 23 years, that's right. And thank you for having me, Chris. No, I'm excited to do this. We're hanging out, of course, up on the third floor, which is set up like a small little... It makes me think of like a smokehouse type lounge feel. <laughs> yeah, we we, we uh, lovingly call it the above ground man cave, but uh, but yeah, no, we definitely we uh, wanted to make it very cozy, intimate uh, to allow people to really you know um, to to open their hearts and minds about you know get geeky around about beer and, and beer and food pairings and just uh, that greater that greater company component to the eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, this yeah. is fun. We got the dartboards. I always love exposed brick too. I don't know why. I feel like that adds a sense of hominess type feel to it. Yeah, you know, it, it makes you feel like there's a you know a fireplace, or you know, um, it, it looks like there was a fireplace on that wall. If you can see the uh, the chimney line and the roof line there. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I always I always wonder when I look at that brick wall, what was here prior to this structure? And it had to be you know probably 19th century that that structure was there. Yeah, this is these are some old buildings in Troy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but thanks for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. Like I like I said uh, and we'll get into this later. I've had two people bring up your name for the same story. So I'm like, I, I okay, I, I got to send this guy an email and see <laughs> if I can get this locked down. But uh so we're hanging out of course at the Rock in Troy, New York here. It's the first time I've been out to Troy in a while, like I said. I live 25 minute drive from here 30 minutes now so i don't get out that this way that often <laughs> well you know it's easy it's uh the adage we share with everybody it's easy to get to the ruck but it's really much harder to get home <laughs> <laughs> it is you gotta be careful be careful oh, yeah by the way uh what are you drinking there sir i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it was bartender's choice bartender's choice i know it's i know it's a double ipa of some sort but uh which one it is i'm not exactly sure it could be could be the other half it could be the fightings um it could be too juicy um, from two roads. Um, I, I, I'll have to get back to you. On All that. right. Well, it looks nice. That's for sure. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. I'm drinking the Fiden's necessary means for a necessary means, which I was surprised to see on tap and super happy to see. I don't think that's the same. I, I, I know he said what that was. I just don't remember what he said. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out. <laughs> Live podcasting, oh, yeah. answering questions on the fly. Uh, phone a friend phone a friend that's right <laughs> obviously uh there's still a pandemic going on out there uh, we have of course it's set up here to be as safe as possible we were wearing masks they're off now only because we're sitting down still six feet apart of course how have you guys been holding up at least over the summer months before we get into the cold ones coming you know it's uh it's it's been you know uh, i hate to say it like this but it's been a new normal where we, we've done everything we can to really embrace the standards as they, as they change on the fly. We, we've, we've done our part to, we feel, that to be and remain proactive regarding uh, taking temperature checks at the front door, making sure that we are you know, taking a couple of steps uh, in a progressive nature where we are you know, we're refusing anybody who carries a fever, you know, uh, if we have any awareness of, uh, of any kind of behaviors of, of that regard that, you know, lead us to believe that somebody may have COVID or signs or symptoms of COVID, we definitely, um, you know, we do not, we ask them kindly to please like, you know, exit the building or, 
you know, any way, which, which, uh, any which way we we're just super mindful uh, of the holistic component of this, that um, there is a psychology of others here that we are very mindful of. And the fact that, you know, everybody's taking a hit right now in our industry. I'd be lying to say that uh, we aren't, you know, it's, it's been really hard to make numbers uh, work in, in our model. And I, I know I'm not the only one in the restaurant and bar ho- and hospitality world. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, again, you know, we're, we're very grateful for the response that we are receiving. We know that there's overall shrinking and shrinkage in market share, uh, people being furloughed, people out of work. Um, Troy is not exactly, you know, um, Saratoga for socioeconomics and things like that. So we, you know, we are an economy that, you know, really works on trickle down effect in tourism. So, um, having those things kind of um curtailed on us um not to say that you know not to play the victim role but like just you know call it as they see it you oh, know yeah, the restrictions of you know um you know 50 percent of dining and then you know you can be up to 50 percent of dining indoors as long as you have the ability to have the necessary spacing for guests mm-hmm. um so that 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 in itself you know we cannot based on our our square footage and how we're how we are laid out we can't I think we can only get about twenty-five to thirty percent of our capacity in in, in dining and seating. Oh wow! So, um, so we've been working hard to, you know, continue to support the takeout model. Um, I feel like with the recent changes with the closing of, of the restaurant at ten p.m., I feel like delivery the delivery model is going to be coming back into our world very soon, sooner if not later. Oh, definitely sooner than later, I should say. And and you know, we have to hope and pray that that that'll be enough. And, and just kind of continuing to work on seeing how our team responds, you know, their psychology, you know, how they how are they feeling about uh, still making these kinds of uh, serving the public. Right. And being in these high, higher volume exchanges. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's always a daily a daily battle. Right. Or a daily. Uh, I don't want to call it a struggle, but it's a daily vigilance, if you will. Uh, for us to make sure that we're doing our part to keep ourselves healthy, our loved ones healthy, uh, our our immediate you know members of our team healthy, and then obviously making sure that the guests who are coming in, I mean, in the middle, that they're taking the necessary steps to make sure that they're healthy in their respective home fronts, but also you know coming in and 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 allowing us to still be able to do this and, and allowing us to, to remain relevant in this because we. Um, we have diners and guests that, that want to support us. Oh yeah, absolutely. As ambulance going by out there, it'll be fun to see how if the mics pick that up because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, neither do I, but hopefully nothing uh, severe is happening right no. now. No, uh, you mentioned that 10 p.m. curfew, and I'm curious about that. That's it just started less than a week ago. I mean, what uh, what kind of impact is that caused? Were there? I mean, what were the crowds like at 10 p.m. already anyway? Um. F- for the ruck historically and in these in, the, in these new times um you know 10 10 p.m to 11 p.m uh we, we, we would close our bar at midnight last call would be uh 11 30 and our kitchen would um uh, stop service at 11 o'clock which means that no new customers would come in after 11 p.m once the kitchen closed we did not take any more guests mm-hmm. however it was super beneficial for us as an organization and for our tipped employees as well because other bars and restaurants the more traditional bars and restaurants are closing, closing not 839 yeah. 
and they'd be getting done around 9 30 10 and we, we'd get we'd capture that little bit of industry crowd the nightcaps yeah the nightcap <laughs> exactly the famous nightcap the ruck has been built on the nightcap so to to now um have that uh capability removed from our our capacity to serve our public that one's gonna hurt and we're still we're still working as a team to figure out how we're gonna float that and, and try to see how we get it back whether it be um lunches on wednesday and thursday or you know figuring out other hybrid models that allow us to maybe go into a takeout delivery model in the soft days of the week and still remain on on-premise dine in for the busier nights of the week mm-hmm. all understanding the reality that governor cuomo could enforce an executive order that creates a shutdown altogether yeah. a second shutdown uh that will then cause us to be just strictly takeout and delivery model yeah. Um, I do hope and pray that we're allowed to continue to take uh, allow alcohol sales to be served off premise, uh, because if that gets taken away from us, then I have a, I have an, um, that I can't imagine they'd actually stop. But but in this executive order after 10 p.m., we cannot yeah. serve alcohol from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. for even to, yeah for takeout. So so that's something that uh, you know I, I don't want to you know ring the ring the alarm bells prematurely. But that is that is a caveat that hasn't been settled that leaves me very uneasy. Yeah, for for our, for our industry. Uh, no, and that's totally understandable. And I, um, how have you guys had to adjust for winter now? Or maybe we already touched on this because you can only hold twenty five to thirty uh, percent. Well, we can hold up to fifty percent right, in New York State. Yeah. Um. Uh, we we uh we you know our building holds two hundred and sixty people. So to have one hundred and thirty people in the building is just impossible. Yeah. Right. Um. I think we're probably in the line of like. Between the, the recently broken down front patio, our rear patio, and uh, and and the dine-in, we had about seventy-five uh, diners in the building as a whole. You know, uh, in the in our facility as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just we just uh, removed sixteen seats from um, the front of the building today because you know we saw some snow coming today and and it's a little chill, a little nippy out there. Yeah, you know, we've been trying to embrace the BYOB, the Bring Your Own Blanket campaign uh, mm-hmm. here in New York State, but uh, you know, it just I just feel like. You know, COVID fatigue is something that really needs to be brought to light in general. I think everybody's just fatigued uh, for being in this state of fear for so long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's really important for us to make sure that we're checking in on the wellness of, of our, you know, for me, my employees, my guests, uh, anybody and everybody that is in my local community. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part to, to check in on and see how they're doing as human beings because, you know, you know, our, our wellness is, is, is more important than, than the success or failures of our businesses. No, and that's an incredibly great point to make. But um, let's move on to some happier stuff. Of course. <laughs> Sorry to like, get on this, this heavy, heavy train of talk. No, no, no. that's all right. <laughs> uh, it was definitely something I wanted to touch on. So we did. But let's move on to some happier stuff. Of course. You're from Brooklyn, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. How did you end up in Troy? Uh, <laughs> football and RPI. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, I um, was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I, I had uh, I had the privilege of taking one of those uh, public magnet exams in middle school. So I was accepted into Brooklyn Technical High School, which is a, a public uh, magnet school in New York City. Uh, you know, anybody in the five boroughs is eligible to take the exam in eighth grade, and if you score high enough, then you're you're allowed it to either attend Brooklyn Technical High School or Bronx High School of Science or Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan. Uh, so um, Brooklyn Tech was my older, my older brother's alma mater, as was our RPI, and me being the quintessential little brother, I, <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I had a lot of pride in following in Big Brother's footsteps. Uh, what did you end up going to RPI for? Uh, I studied material sciences and engineering. Uh, oh, wow. RPI. A little, little <laughs> bit of an engineer. <laughs> it's funny because I work with a lot of engineers. And uh, I'm not one myself. I'm a technical editor, but half of my job is to try to babysit them and get them to do what I need. <laughs> well, they're trying to get other stuff they need done. We, uh, it's, but it's uh, interesting groups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I've learned that salesmen, salesmen are not engineers. Uh, salespeople are not engineers, and engineers are not salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Ruck opened back in '98, right? You were, were you here when it started? Right? I was one of the first uh, first members of the original team. Oh wow! Uh, I, I was on the door um, uh, when we first opened up back in January of '98, and um, uh, my rugby coach uh, Rich Scully and his partner Charles Gallo were the owners owners of the ruck and the visionaries of the ruck and and uh, i i got to work with them at 19 years old and over time i, I would put my dues in and, and um you know i committed to the team and they gave me some some opportunities to work in the kitchen and eventually uh i got a, i got a chance behind the bar and and uh and that was uh such a wonderful experience to to start learning um our, our community uh, not only the the RPI community, which is very was very big and influential on on the Ruck's success uh, back then and still today, uh, but you know the the but the the cheers piece, right? The, the local piece. You know, I got to meet the local yokels that were <laughs> that really made the Ruck and the, oh, and yeah. the fabric of the Ruck and, and allowed us to have um, wonderful relationships in the city of Troy, in the community of Troy, and uh, and I was able to um, build off those relationships and 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 help. Uh, work with those relationships as, as I became the owner of the Ruck seven years after working for Scully and Chuck. Wow, that's awesome. I forgot. I did see that you had played rugby. I was, uh, I hung out with a, I didn't play rugby. I, I'm not built for it. That's for sure. But I've, when I was going to SUNY Albany, I would hang out with the rugby team because I had a friend that did. And those were some crazy fuckers. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can describe them. When I'd go to the rugby house for a party or something like that, I'm like, Jesus. It takes a special sort to play rugby. <laughs> and that's what they would all say. It's like, it's like a, like a, brazen i don't give a f and uh and and just like you know i'm a first responder and i i i I, you know, I like i like a good fight and i like i like the action you know um, yeah and that is not something they just kept to rugby <laughs> <laughs> i learned that real quick yeah they say uh rugby is a hooligan sport played by gentlemen and soccer is a gentleman sport played by hooligans you can see you can and see, bad actors. You can see who who uh, who, who came <laughs> up with that that sentiment. <laughs> Clearly, it was the was not the soccer players. <laughs> no, no, it was not. So you started at the door, and then started worked your way to behind the bar. Is that when you kind of started really getting in, into craft beer? Because I know you eventually took the class over at Schenectady County. Right? Yeah, so it was, it was a lot of years between uh, from uh, getting getting my my gateway my foot into craft beer to. Um, to becoming a, a brewing candidate at, at Skagit County Community College, um, one of the beers, uh, one of the beers that's uh, that they had uh, on tap um, here at the Ruck that really warmed my heart and got me kind of re- realized the uh, the color, the colors of, of of craft beer, the Roy G. Biv, if you will, the rainbow of craft beer was uh, Lake Placid Ubu, Ubu Ale. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, nice dark, you know, darker ale, very malt forward, you know, that eight percent. Alcohol by volume, you know, really warms the heart amongst it amongst does. other things. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was that was one of the first beers that really kind of turned my head, and and then it was you know, then the then the hop forward beers like Arrogant Bastard and Harpoon IPA, um, you know, from Stone and Harpoon respectively, 
uh, were definitely the next ones that really kind of opened my eyes to, to the, the hop, the hop world, the hop forward world that was happening in the United States in and around the early uh, 21st century and recognizing that there was, um, a lot of, a lot of movement happening in the craft beer segment. So when I, when I ended up buying the ruck in 2004, uh, December 29th will be my 16th year, uh, of ownership of the ruck, my 16 year anniversary, my sweet 16, if you will. Nice. Um, you know, so, uh, so when I bought the ruck in 2004, my first thing was, is that like, you know, not trying to knock the following breweries I'm about to name, but, uh, Jim Cook was never going to come to the ruck and shake my hand. Arthur Guinness was never going to, the Guinness family was never going to come to, Rock and Shore, New York, and <laughs> shake our hands for buying all the Guinness. The Bush family wasn't going to come to uh, oh, yeah. to Troy to thank us for all the, the fidelity and purchasing of Budweiser and Bud Light that we did in bottle and draft over the years. But what I did learn was Dan Canary, for example, who was one of the founding owners uh, of Harpoon, did come down to the Ruck and wanted to shake oh, my yeah. hand. Nice. Right. And, um, and when I met Greg Cook in New York City for the first time, a, a few times I, as I met him through different brewer association gatherings, you know, he did shake my hand and he did take time to have a, a, a heartfelt conversation with me and, and thank me for my support and, and my, um, my championing of craft, of craft beer and, uh, and, and Sam Calagione of Dogfish Head. And, um, you know, being, being a Brooklyn kid that came from a byproduct of, uh, of baseball, you know, uh, my father, uh, I'm going to segue right now and go on a tangent here. My father was a big – I'm a son of a coach and he was a big advocate of baseball uh, in New York City. He he ran a lot of different uh, Sandlot youth organizations and oversaw the umpires unions and you know helped a lot of thousands of kids in New York City um, have opportunities in baseball and, and, uh, and then use that opportunity to get a scholarship in high school, to get a scholarship in college or even play AAA baseball or, or make it to the major, major leagues. My, you know, Manny Ramirez is a, is a byproduct of my father's um, infrastructure. Um, who had one of the best swings uh, you know, in, in major leagues for, for a long time and that was my father's swing. Uh, so shamelessly promoting my dad, uh, but you know, I'm a, I'm, no problem. I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, a son of a coach. So like, you know, getting, getting, getting these coach ups from, from these, from these superstars of craft beer and, and, uh, and in baseball, I would have to pay for an autograph. I would have to pay for somebody's time to like meet them at a breakfast or something like that. Um, but in craft beer, like they, they just, they were like, oh wow, you know who I am? Like, like <laughs> Rob Todd, I met him in DC for a, an event called Saver. And he's the owner of Allagash. And not only was he willing to give me 30 minutes of his time, he was willing to take a selfie with me, uh, me and my bar manager at the time, uh, you know, just salt of the earth kind of people. And 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 uh, that's the thing that really hooked me on craft beer and really allowed me to morph the ruck from being this, you know, local dive bar, college bar, townie bar into this craft beer destination, right? Um, oh, was, yeah. was was being able to spread the cheer and, 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 and represent in the proper forms and fashion, really truly steward um, the experiences that brewers want to be, how they want to be captured in a, in a bar like mine. Um, so we, we were able to um, just have those, those wonderful conversations and, and, and be fed really good knowledge and information that was cutting edge. And we were able to grow, grow with craft beer and the craft beer culture. So when did you decide to get into brewing? Or start looking into that. Brewing was something in the back of my head that started around 2013 and 14. I, I really saw, you know, uh, craft beer in the western part of the country really blossom and grow, and and New York State was right about to become this um, 
this mountain that was about to, to become a volcano and, and, and explode for, for growth. Um, so oh, yeah. you can say that again. 2012, there was 58 breweries in New York state. And now I believe we're just shy of just over 500 breweries in this country. Oh, I'm mean, sorry, in, this, in the state, excuse me. I was going to say we're certainly over 400. Yeah. We've been over 400 for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, uh, with 500 rolling, rolling up fast. So, um, if we're not at 500, we're probably going to hit that, hit that threshold or hit that milestone. Um, any any day now or any month now, uh, so you know to see that kind of that growth happening so fast, I, I um, and also because you know, um, in my pursuit of my my own craft uh, and and my team as well, I wanted I wanted these wonderful guests that were coming to to uh, to Troy and coming to the Ruck to to learn about the the next level and layer of craft beer and its culture and the next wave of uh, you know brewmasters that are noteworthy to be to be recognized as as that that destination where we can kind of you can come in and get a get good service but then we're giving you the hospitality and the value adds of you know how to how to go visit those breweries who to contact in those breweries let them know that we say hello um <laughs> you know it's it's uh it's really been such a blessing yeah you know we're, we're in the business of serving others and um and the, the just like a just like a mighty oak tree or any other tree, you know, you get another ring around that tree, you get to be more profound, more robust, more, you know, oh. um, you get to dig your roots in deeper, you get to grow much more taller and be more awe inspiring. You know, that was something that really compelled me to continue to to reinvest in my staffing. Um, we 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 work with the Cicerone program pretty intimately. You know, over the years, we've we've trained close to ten certified Cicerones and over fifty um, certified oh, beer wow. servers, level twos, level ones. You know, so we, we, we take, we take, we take the, the, you know, the stewardship component very seriously. We want to give you a fresh beer, clean glass, uh, you know, every time you, you get a fresh beer from us. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, we give you a good recommendation of value add of how to pair that beer with our food that we serve in our, in our kitchen. You know, again, eat, drink and be merry is, is always been something that we, um, have been very much, uh, grateful for as, as one of the mantras of, of, of the ruck, uh, that and we kick kegs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one's yeah, important, very important. You gotta, you gotta yeah, enjoy beer when it's fresh and you, you always want to give people a reason to come back and having a fresh beer to come back to is always a, a compelling, um, thought for, for a customer to want to come belly up and, and support us. And, uh, over 16 years, uh, over 22 years and almost 16 years, six, 22 years of stewardship and almost 16 years of ownership and stewardship. I just, um, I can't thank my, my base enough for, um, continuously coming, um, with, with, a heightened palette uh the palette was not what it is today when it was what it was 10 12 years ago or 14 years ago um no no that's no. it's pretty just the explosion of the craft beer scene and the types of craft beers that are being made in the, just the last five years alone even. so uh so again with all that kind of coming to light that's where um i felt like education was a huge uh piece for the ruck as well as myself um as one of the you know more I don't know how he call me. What do you call me? A guy who knows about craft beer, or you know, a guru, whatever Sherpa, uh, craft beer geek. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm anything but a snob. You know, I'm, I'm here to share my information. I'm here to share my quote unquote intellectual property. Uh, I want people to have aha moments. I want people to tie their life experiences to beer. I want them to, you know, pair with their favorite um, comfort food. Uh, you know, um, that's the only way we can actually grow this market share. 
is is getting 85% of the people who just, you know, enjoy fizzy yellow beer uh, to want to enjoy the, the, the Roy G. Biv, the, the colors of the spectrum that is craft beer and, and the flavors and that, you know, it's okay to cheat on your favorite beer and drink, you know, drink other beers. So you can always go back to the you know, old faithful, if you will. Um, it's not going to ask you where you've been. That's it's, true. It's, it's going to be very happy, just like your dog's going to be very happy when you get back. <laughs> um, but like you know, I, I feel like we need to cha- like help people learn their palates. Beer is um, beer has been a thing where you know we all drink beer, but do we actually taste what we drink? And even how we serve beer, it's all served cold, so that you can't really enjoy flavors of ales. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we do for efficiencies in this industry that doesn't really. Uh, give the beer the best uh, light, you know, and 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 no fault to anybody. It's just that it's 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 important for us to be you know able to give the end user that experience because if not at the bar, then where are they going to get that kind of information? If if it's yeah. if it's not going to be at a high volume restaurant, it's not going to be at a supermarket, and very rarely is at a beverage center. So, um, and yeah, again, I'm true. not knocking the other establishments uh, of off-premise. I'm just saying that beer education is something uh, that is very paramount for the success of craft beer culture as a whole. Uh, otherwise, people just see price points and artwork, and then they'll just pick their old, their standard old favorite. I'll admit, I uh, I have bought beer based on the artwork before, <laughs> just because there's some. Amazing labels out as there of I that have just caught my eye, but I and that's mostly in a scenario where I'm in a beverage center, I want to try something new, but I don't know what. I'm like, hey, that just looks super awesome, so I'm gonna try but that. You, and then, of course, I then I find something I really enjoy, just out of happenstance. Yeah. And and that's and that's <laughs> you know and that's uh, sometimes uh, more fun than than going into a beverage center and knowing exactly what you want to buy, right? Or having an idea of what oh, yeah. you want to buy. It's, no, it's I, that. No, I mean, I that's something I I actually try to do that every once in a while, if depending on the mood I'm in. I'm like, I know all the stuff I like, but I'm, you know, <laughs> kind of in the mood to just try something random. So that looks cool. Let's try that. But uh, yeah, so you went. You took the program at Schenectady County, I believe. Rich Michaels from Frog Alley teaches that, and then apprenticed with Kevin over at Rare Farm. That is correct. Nothing like some free labor, I'm sure, for that program. <laughs> for him. Kevin was, of course, on an early early episode I did. So people go listen to that. Uh, how was your time at Rare Farm and working? With um, I I love Rare Farm. Uh, I think it's great. Right around, it's, right around it's, the corner. It's not only right around the corner, but uh, what wonderful human beings! Uh, what a, what a great what a great vibe! What a great energy! And what great beer! Oh yeah, great beer. I lo- I, I mean, it's a small place, but I just love I love the way it's set up, and I really dig the environment. I feel like Kevin 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 is, is a very modest man and, and a humble man, and um, yeah. Uh, I and but like he's been doing, he's been making beer for twenty five plus years, and he's getting better at what he does. And uh, I feel, and again, not trying to knock or disparage other breweries in the capital region, but I feel like he's very much still underrated, and and under like. I feel like he he he's he's getting better at what he does, and um, I feel like our our five one eight doesn't really fully understand, you know, all the things that Kevin has, all the tricks that he has up his sleeve, and all the different beer recipes that he has, and and how how much he's committed to uh, just making his beers that much better uh, for 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 his own fulfillment, but also for 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 you know the public good. Oh yeah, absolutely. So people out there, if you're in Troy, don't only stop at the Rock, stop at Rare Form, right around the corner. But you've 
uh, gained so much knowledge. Now you're actually teaching some classes. Yeah. Right? So, uh, so, so it's, <laughs> it was a funny kind of one, two punch, right? So towards the end of 2015, I, I was invited down to Florida to do a consulting gig for a, a friend of mine who had a restaurant chain. He wanted to open up a craft bar restaurant. And, um, when we were taught, he was asking me about, about potentially going down to, to work with him on the project. And as much as it was, um, the prospect was very appealing, uh, being in Miami, Florida was very appealing. Yeah, I would say that, especially now with it being November and a little snow that came down today. being 2020. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No pun intended? No pun intended? I don't know. Uh, Either way, let's drink. (laughs) (laughs) So I was was in Florida and uh, I was looking at the Culinary Institute of America because um, Brooklyn Brewery uh, was working with Culinary Institute and opening up a brewing program down there, a three-year program. And I started looking at uh, apartments and I was looking at, you know, living down in Hyde Park to uh, to do the schooling because that was the only opportunity I had other than Siebel or UC Davis. Uh, Siebel's in Chicago, mm-hmm. Siebel Institute. And uh, yeah. and then all of a sudden, um, I received an email from Shelby Snyder, who was the marketing director of Schmaltz at the time, informing us of the Schenectady County Community College Workforce Development Program. Uh, which was the which was the first class over at Schenectady that eventually you know was the impetus behind the associate's degree program for for the brewing degree. So um, so as I was in Florida, I, I I was doing all this work for Hyde Park, and then Schenectady opportunity opened up, and I was like, holy shit, this is <laughs> got my name all over it. I I I want in. I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but like you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes to be part of that, that class. And, um, there was 150 applicants and, uh, and oh, wow. they only were allowed to, uh, uh, 15, 15 candidates to were allowed to, to be entered. And I was one of the placements. Um, there was like a, there was a three part exam you had to take, uh, a reading, a math uh, exam, as well as an OSHA exam, OSHA safety exam. This is all yep. done through the, the county's one-stop um, one-stop shop. Uh, so each county in the capital region has this one-stop educational facility that you can go and interview with uh, to be able to place uh, for you know for the uh, continuing education uh, class with Rich Michaels at SEC. And if you uh, if you were eligible for it, then you can receive a scholarship for the class in its entirety. So I, I did not qualify for the scholarship. I, I had to pay out of pocket, oh. which was totally fine by me because, um, you know, 15 weeks of Rich Michaels is, you know, worth every penny. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I've met him when I, I've recorded a, just a fun episode of the podcast with a buddy at Frog Alley. He came over, introduced himself. I've been in contact trying to set something up with him. Um, of course, showed us all around, gave us a taste from the tank. Super yeah. nice guy. The Super best. Knowledgeable. And... Yeah, the man forgets more than uh, on a daily basis than I probably have in my entire life experience when it comes to beer. Um, you know, wonderful, wonderful mentor, and still to this day, if I ever had a question, if I if I shot him a message or shot him a call, I know within within a day or even a few hours he'd respond, um, and he does that for all of his students, which is again a testament to Rich. And um, you know, super grateful that Frog Alley and and, and Rich particularly are, are there and still being a uh, driving force of the the brewing program at Schenectady because um you know again I, I 
I was able to draw so much from that two-year experience. I was one of the first members that took the non-credit workforce development course uh, into credit. And I, mm-hmm. was, I was one of the first members to apply it as credits to be able to receive the associate's degree. And I was one of the first graduating class members of that, of that 2000, class of 2018. Yep. Oh, wow. Nice. This is going to be a fun experiment because I noticed my battery power that was at full power last night's down to its last bar. So we'll see how oh, long no. this goes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is me testing out this recorder I've had for two and a half years now to see how long this really takes. But... Uh, so, looking back, so through um, the two years, you know, we um, you want me to keep going. Or? No, okay. no. Yeah, no. So through the two yeah, years, ahead. we uh, we had just a just a heads up, people. If there's a soon intermission and then a part two at some point down the line, this will be why. Just warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, so I, I now am in the full program, and that's where Kevin and I. Uh, I did the internship with Kevin, and 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 Kevin took me under his wing, and uh, we had to commit. Uh, every intern has to do 120 labor hours and write a report on their on their experience uh, at at the brewery. So, um, so for myself personally, having Rare from around the corner was such a blessing, and made my life very convenient for running my business at the Ruck, as well as being able to continue oh, yeah. to go out and and earn my degree and and, and build my credentials as a as a brewer. So uh, one of the beautiful things that I got to do uh, on behalf of Schenectady with my advisor, Jay Larkin, was to help other students place uh, not only at Rare Form, but at different breweries around the Capital Region. So uh, having the network and connections from the Ruck, we were able to help other brewers uh, find placements throughout the Capital Region and, and, and find the entry uh, entry points uh, to, to nice. take their brewing degree and then go on to uh, you know start in their own uh, breweries or becoming brewmasters of, uh, of recent, you know, recently, you know, of breweries that have opened. But a lot of those partnerships have been happening through the SEC program, and um, we got we got some we got some we got some really robust alumni kind of happening in the last two years. I know, and it's something I've noticed as I've gone out and talked to you know some people and brewers and people in the bar scene. It's just everything's connected in one yeah. way or another. It's it's kind of almost to a comical degree. Well, for my for my class of fourteen. Um, you know, at SEC, you know, Chris Anderson was one of my classmates. He was a brewer at Schmaltz and Adirondack Pub and Brewery and Crossroads. Um, I believe he he stepped out of the game recently, but like he he was very much in the game. Um, Terry Halstead is the uh, visionary behind Bloodville Brewery. Chris and Darren, uh, Chris Busson and Darren Van Heusen are the owners and proprietors of Hank Hudson Brewing at Ferris Half Moon in Cliffland Park. Yeah. I've been meaning to try some of their stuff. I haven't had a chance. Classmates to and dear friends, um, you know, uh, Adam Albrecht uh, is um, the brewmaster at Artisanal in Saratoga. Yeah, um, yep. was the brewmaster at Great Blue, place. one of the brewers one of my at Bad Jack Pryor, and then he got uh, formed a partnership with uh, Colin and Kurt up there. You know, and then and then the second class, you know, some some rock stars, uh, Jeff Mannion and Erica Anderson yep. from Unified Beer <laughs> yep, Works. They unified. were in the second class, the class after my class, and uh, you know. Doing fantastic things up there in Malta. Oh, yeah, um, oh, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah, well, again, that's uh, that's just right off the top of my head, right? Like, uh, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing just what that class has led to, just in the local community yeah. and everything. Yeah. But uh, looking back on the twenty plus years you guys have been open, at least from the outside, like myself, uh, it looks like it's been a pretty amazing transformation from when this place first opened, and from that college dive bar to 
you know, the updates, the little more upscale. You guys have opened stuff for catering on the second. Now we're handing out in what is, I'm still going to call it like the smoke oh, that's room cool. lodge. We'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what's it been like you looking back on these 20 years, some of your like favorite moments or most notable <laughs> accomplishments oh man um there's you guys have expanded up and yeah we, we've gotten we, so. we've run out of square footage in in the 104 third street location then we went double wide and, and built our kitchen out in 106 uh third street location and we did that expansion just over a year ago um again just to kind of find balance in the force we knew that we had the beer you know we we do beer well and we present beer well um so as we continue to work through our team and and also too in the last couple of years we've had a lot of wonderful team members and leaders from my team uh, from the ruck team our team i should say um who are now our dna is in the three-tier system right so we have brewers in the world and we have um people that are uh the wholesalers of the world and um and we have people that are are continuing to grow in, in the retail side and the, the third tier side uh but you know Basically, we have former Ruck employees that work for Decrescenti Distributing, Craft Beer Guild in New York, uh, Remarkable Liquids, um, Albany Distilling. You know, um, yep. you know, we we're uh, it's really wonderful to watch um, kind of the, the DNA just continue to go out in the world and and, and see that you know <laughs> we're we're continuing to help on and all and all of this greater craft exchange. You know. So, oh yeah. I have so much gratitude in my heart for for all elements and levels and layers of this. The, the fact that we've taken people that were part-time college kids or just locals that were down on our lucks and, and then they became, you know, the faces uh, that, that people could depend on at the Ruck. And then for them to, like, leave our nest and, and grow into these new uh, avenues of opportunity and, and get, you know, be able to sustain themselves and get, you know, Real big boy, big girl jobs, if you will, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, again, it's warms my heart to see that that that's proof of concept that that like where our our model of success is not only just in profitability, but it's also in building people and building community. Yeah. Um, I think the you know back to your question of what's one of my biggest accomplishments as the Ruck is that like that I got to grow up with the Ruck as an individual. All my friends and my customers, we got to grow up with the Ruck. And then the ruck itself got to grow up with us. That's something that's nice. that, from my heart of hearts, I I will from the mountaintops. I will, I'm so proud of, and and I will I will continue to speak on on the wellness of that because I just think that's unbelievably special and and very rare for our industry. It is, and it's funny. I was even if you just Google the ruck Troy and you look at the images. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go far to see what it looked like when it first opened <laughs> to what it looks like now. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> At least from the, At least from the outside. Shit, it just looked like some wood panels and the ruck written on top of yeah, the door. We had a chip on our shoulder back then. We were like, yeah, if you don't want to come to the front door, fuck you. We don't want you anyway. I mean, it, it looked a ex- <laughs> perfect example of just like college dive bar hole in the wall. And you guys, you've really built it into something special, which is amazing. And certainly credit to you Thank and you very much. And the people that have come through here. And you guys have also become known for really great wings, which I'm looking forward to getting an order to, order to bring Absolutely. home myself. Um, and, I mean, not just the wings, all the food. You've had some great well, chefs. Well, Chef Rachel right? has been with us for seven years. Um, oh, yeah, oh, it's Chef been Rachel's, that yeah, she, I was reading through her uh, blurb there on the website. Yeah, like, she, oh, wow. she joined us in August of 2013. Um, we, we had a good thing going prior to Chef Rachel, but we, we knew that we wanted to be more than a one-trick pony. Uh, we knew we knew our crapper was good. We knew our wings were good. 
blue cheese was always uh, been good. Truth be told, the wings and the blue cheese recipes we inherited from prior ownership, and then we were able to then further doctor up our, our wing sauces. Blue cheese has been literally the same ingredients. I'm not going to tell you how many ingredients is in it. It's really yeah. simple. No, nope. people ask me all the time. I, I get help almost weekly on on social media. Can you can you, you, can, really? you can you share with us your blue cheese recipe? And, and I know other businesses in Troy also have uh, caught in wind uh, caught wind of our are the the base elements of our recipe and and, and have have tried to replicate it and some of them are doing it pretty well uh, and some of them not so much but either way I'm not gonna not gonna <laughs> you know, plug their places <laughs> no disrespect I just uh, you know no um, but you know it is it is a it is it is it is flattering it is flattering and it is a compliment to know that people recognize us for those those comforts right and and people yeah. imitation is the highest form of flattery so uh very honored that like people want to um be like us right in that in that in that facet so yeah. super cool yeah that's awesome so there's one story i mentioned uh i gotta ask you about because this came up when i talked i talked to kurt from artisanal twice he's been on the podcast twice uh he brought it up and then eric budecki uh, there was a story going around about you. Was it you brought in a recently because there was a crawler sort shortage? Basically, getting a whole tractor trailer full and just dividing it up amongst correct places. That is that is one hundred percent accurate. Um, <laughs> so obviously with the pandemic, I know I even came across a few news articles about you know with people just buying beer to go. The crawlers were just flying. In, in April there was um as everybody knows the beginning of COVID, you know, in March and April, you know, cause and effect. So maybe maybe you know, we all know that COVID hit, but but how 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 did it impact um your your favorite local brewery? Well, this is how it impa- it was how how it impacted them or, or us, if I should say, in the Royal. Um so there was a nationwide shortage on on crowlers, thirty two ounce cans that would allow bars and restaurants as well as breweries to be able to sell their draft beer off premise for consumption. So, based on the and I, I quickly found out the hard way on these things that there's only one 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 supplier of blank crowlers in the entire nation, and that's through Oscar. Oscar Blues, right? Oscar Blues Brewing Company. They oh, have wow. a company called Crowler really? Nation, and uh, Crowler Nation is that's doesn't seem like a monopoly the, at all. Uh, exclusive rights to blank cans. So what I did was I tried to bypass Crowler Nation and Oscar Blues, and I went directly to Ball Corporation, who, who are Ball 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 Corporation, like the ball jars, the metal jars, also make all the oh, aluminum yeah. it, it, cans for American Craft. So there, there's a, there's a handful of um, uh, 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 of factories that produce um, these cans for brewers, and, and there's only one factory in the entire United States in Indiana, I believe, that does the 32 ounce crawler, and they only they only um, make they only run the crawler twice a year. Wow! So I infiltrated Ball Corporation, and I tried to buy. <laughs> You know the equivalent of forty thousand crawlers through Ball Corporation, and I started building an account. I got an account rep, sales rep for me, and all that stuff. And then I got to the point where, okay, what's your label look like? So I call up Kevin from Rareform. I'm like, hey, you know, can you give me can you give me the the, the label art for Troy Division and all the 
pertinent information that goes to Troy Division because I have to send it to Ball Corporation because they uh, they want to know the the can the label spec uh, for for the can mm-hmm. for the crowler. So um, so I I submit all the information to the best of my ability through Kevin from Kevin, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call from from Ball saying you're all set. We're going to send you your crowlers. And then uh, 24 hours later, I'm, I don't have a confirmation. I don't have a, a, a delivery date. I don't, have, I don't have any of these things. And, you know, basically, I finally get a human being on the phone with Ball Corporation and they red flag me because they realize that I'm a bar trying to buy on behalf oh, of a wow. brewery. And, I'm, and now I'm trying to buy all these crowlers on behalf of many breweries and many beverage centers and bars and restaurants. So I created this really? collective of like seventeen or eighteen different entities. So I had I had pricing, I had pricing on lids, I had pricing on crawlers, I had pricing on delivery, I had pricing on everything, and I gave the pricing to all my constituents. And wow. then I have to go back to everybody and say, "Just kidding, um, Ball just told me to go fuck off, and now I have to, uh, you know, go work with Crawlination and Jeremy Rudolph." So. Oh, I mentioned Jeremy Rudolph's name because this man is a rock star. Uh, so, um, so over the over the conversations now, so now you know, ten days go by, we're stymied. Now nobody has any crawlers, and we don't have anything going further. So now everybody's bugged out. Now everybody wants to go to buy from October Design, and everybody's trying to find the other outlets to get crawlers at like ninety to a dollar a can, let alone the lids, and pay the top freight on everything. And I'm like, please just be patient. Yeah. Give me some more time. I'm going to figure this out. So, um, so then I start telling the story to Jeremy Rudolph at Crowl Nation about our collective, our upstate, you know, collective and, and, uh, how, you know, I'm trying to, I'm putting my credit card up for all of these cans so that we can just, we're all a bunch of small breweries that are just trying to, you know, work within our ecosystems and we're just doing whatever we can to make this work. So, uh, so right away when the prices come back from Crown Nation, there's a twenty percent bump up, a bump up from the price that I got from Ball Corporation, right? So uh, Oscar Blues has to uh, make money on this. Yeah. However, through the conversations with Jeremy, and you know, in that time, I also have to give credit to Jeremy because man, that guy, he was probably dealing with how many other accounts, right? Like, and oh, all over the country, over right? The country, um, sure. And all the shit, and everybody, you know. Begging, pleading, whatever. So, long story short, we're able to. We were supposed to get silver cans. We get gold cans. Gold cans are a penny more expensive than the silver cans, but he gives us the same price point on the silver can versus the gold can. Was um, was C H Evans part yes, of this? Yes, they were. Group? That would explain. No, I remember seeing those gold. Yeah, the, crowlers. All the gold crowlers right. you saw in the capital region <laughs> from April until current day was a Dave Gardell purchase from the Ruck, uh, and we, we spread it out to Bound by Fate, Unified Beer Works. We spread it out to C H Evans. Um, we spread it out to uh, Rare Form. I remember the C.H. Evans ones because I know Oliver's, I, had, I had Sam deliver me some Oliver's Westmore twice. Colony Beverage, yeah. uh, Troy Beverage, um, uh, geez, um, uh, Rip Van Winkle Brewing, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple others right now. Forgive me. It's uh, yeah. just been it's been a few few uh, a few months. And as Jeremy was like tell me, like I used to be a rugby player just like you, and I used to take a lot of shots at the head. So I I, I really can't remember all these things. <laughs> and again, like that and that and that was the sentence that actually got me to got him to remember me. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's why I wanted to share that sentence because he's like, yeah, a lot, a lot of hits to the head. I'm like, yeah, Jeremy, I know you got a lot of hits to the head, but like, you know, remember your boy in Troy, New York? It's <laughs> like, yeah, Dave, okay, the rugby bar, the rock, like, okay, I remember you. So, so we, um, so like, we were supposed to get these cans for like 38 cents a piece. We got, we ended up being like 60 cents with lids and, um, you know, one cent different, but we, but he ate the, he ate the one cent difference in cost. And the reason why he did that was because nobody in the country was ordering gold cans. Everybody was ordering silver cans, and the queue was three months backlogged. Holy so shit. he was willing to take all the shit from all the other breweries and all the other people requesting crowlers from Crowler Nation because nobody requested a gold crowler. There was no shortage of gold crowlers. So we skipped the entire fucking line to get these gold crowlers to our possession. That's amazing. I, I mean, what's the difference at that point? It, it was just a, 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 a penny difference, but because everybody was so myopic on the silver crowler, we were able to get the product when we needed it to serve our community. And the, and the only reason, and because they were gold, and no one was asking. Wow! And nobody amazing. gave Jeremy any kickback, or at least if they did, I I didn't know about it because the guy got too many shots. Was that probably <laughs> too many shots to no, the head? Um, he might not. So remember. Uh, so yeah. So we we set this all up, and then and then the kicker. Right, so I tell everybody, okay, now the increase in price is what it is, and now I have to work on shipping. Right, so shipping ended up being like thirty six hundred bucks for for all this stuff. And I'm as I'm talking to Jeremy and I'm telling the story and all this stuff, he freaking waves shipping. Holy wow! Yeah. See why you said he's yeah. a rock star. So he saved us another thirty six hundred dollars. You know, spread over forty thousand cans. Right, um, so he. Literally gets the gold crowlers that come out of his his ball corporation, right? Ball corporation has the crowlers coming from Indianapolis or Indiana. And instead of going to Colorado to come back to New York, he literally has uh, a truck leave Indiana and go to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania to Troy, New York. And, wow. and then on the other side of it, Remarkable Liquids, uh, owned by Spencer Noakes, um, you know him through through my part through my friendship with Jeremy Irving for thirteen plus years, and and Spencer and I have a fifteen year working relationship. They housed all of our crawlers at their warehouse. So our 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 our, our truck from Ball Corporation came to Gilderland, dropped all the crawlers off in Gilderland, did a fantastic job in dropping off all those crawlers, and then Remarkable Liquids was willing to work with me in dropping off all those crawlers to all our bars and and beverage centers and restaurants free of charge. Awesome. Um, so like, again, like we were able to do all this in a matter of days. And, and again, if it wasn't for the network, you know, your network is your net worth. And if it wasn't for being a good person for so many years and, and treating craft in the, in, 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 with integrity, um, we weren't able to execute that. And we would have not only let ourselves down, but we would have let, let, let down a lot of businesses that needed us that most sensitive time. Wow, that's amazing. So I, I, I again I just I'm just so grateful that, you know, uh I can be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease that allowed us to be able to weather that that low tide. Yeah, that's amazing. And like I said, it's one thing I learned early on just doing the podcast. It's crazy you want it's not like other types of business. You want everyone to succeed because it brings in business for everybody. It's not really competition. I mean, theoretically you could call it competition, but yeah. not really. And everyone getting along benefits Precisely. everybody. You know, it, you know, uh, like, like the Hudson River. If if uh, it's tidal waters, right? So if if uh, if the water rises in the Hudson River, all boats rise with it. So like you know, that's that was yeah. the philosophy that I embraced. I looked I looked at the Hudson. And I, that's what I you know immediately I was like I need I need crawler cans, but I know everybody else does. Let me go get on the horn. Let me ask all my friends. You know, I sent uh, I sent an email out to the capital uh, capital beverage uh, the capital beverage trail. 
the 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 the, the beverage yep, producers yeah, trail. Yeah. So like everybody you know who's a member of that of that association was informed of my of my ongoings, and we were able to facilitate all that. And then when we landed everything in Guildland within a week's time. We had everything delivered to everybody, and even still, like you know, I, I I bought a few extra crawlers. Not like I didn't gouge, but I bought a few extra crawlers and. You know, rare form still comes over every now and again. Instead of buying crawlers, we'll we'll give them fifty, um, and then they'll we'll work a trade or we'll work something out. Um, I had bright ideas from uh, from Ma- by Mass Mocha and, and Western Mass come in and and pick up a bunch of crawlers from us because they didn't have any, and we helped them out in a pinch. Oh, wow. um, we when we were in a pinch, uh, we drove down to Fishkill and Sloop gave us free crawlers to help us. In Common Roots, <laughs> Christian Weber, the Weber family was yeah, wonderful really and, yeah, and helping really us get up with our crawlers as well. Um, I'd love to get up there. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been there either. Maybe we can go up together uh, in a socially distant fashion. <laughs> I'm yeah. down for that. A little road trip. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A little road trip. But, uh, that feels like a great place to start wrapping up because I feel like I'm tempting fate here with the one battery bar. And uh, I'm glad I got to hear the whole story behind that story that yeah. I've heard. Yeah, no, it was, it was a it was a ten day nerve wracking white knuckle kind of driving experience, <laughs> but at the end of it, you know, we we were able to land everything and made made everybody you know really happy. Again, that's that's what it's all about. You know, if, whatever we can do to help each other out, you know, that's 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 the difference between this industry and, and so many other industries. We're still competing oh, yeah, with each other, like the Olympics, not the Red Sox Yankees competing against each other. So one fails and one succeeds. Yeah, there's not one championship to get. It's everyone yeah. succeeds together. So that's going to do it for this episode of Stories from a Bar. Thank you, Dave, for hanging out and taking the time to chat with me. This was really fun. I'm glad I got to hear that story. Like I said, I appreciate you sharing a drink, having other stories, and telling me all about them. Uh, pleasure's been all mine, man. So if you guys out there listening are ever in Troy, be sure to stop into The Ruck uh, for some awesome beer selections, some great food. You can, of course, find their website at GetRuck.com to reserve a table these days or order takeout if you're not up for coming in person. That is certainly acceptable. Lots of great food to choose from. Like I said, I'm getting some wings to bring home. I'm really excited about it. I've been looking forward to it all day. (laughs) That's probably the highlight of my day. So I don't know what that says about me. But Anyway. Also, be sure to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keep tabs on what they have going on, their current offerings on beers and food and anything else you'd like to add. I just want to take uh, take a moment to thank everybody who uh, who has um, been supporting Chris and, and listening uh, to Stories from a Bar. You know, uh, we, oh, we, you. we are unbelievably grateful for all the support that we've received uh, in COVID um, and through prior to COVID, in COVID. And, um, and even now, um, as things are getting, you know, uh, as winter is coming, uh, to uh, coin a phrase from Games of Thrones, but yeah. like, um, but yeah. you know, uh, we can't thank you enough for all your support and continued support. And, uh, you know, by all means, uh, keep, keep supporting local, uh, keep supporting your favorite watering hole. Um, it means the absolute world to each and every one of us. Um, not only just the ruck, but like every single bar and restaurant that, you know, is out there, you know, we've all, we're all, we're all doing our best to make this make sense, but we cannot do it without you. So please, 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 um, continue to support local. And, um, I look forward to seeing you at the ruck sometime soon. Very well said. And again, in Troy, the ruck, New York, right around the corner, rare form. And don't also don't forget about Brownsboro. And I stopped in there a couple of weeks ago when I was in town, picked up a case of their crushed golden lager for like $20. And it was delicious. It's one of I can't imagine. It was twenty dollars. Well, another spent, another um, <laughs> underrepresented brewery, especially for the latest innovations. Lee and Dan down in the tap room here in Troy, 
are, are really pushing the envelope on on IPAs, experimental IPAs and sours. You know, they have a great mind and a great approach. Uh, and our dear friends of To the Ruck as well as Rare Form, by all means, if you uh, get to Troy, you can you can visit two great you know breweries as well as uh, a craft beer bar. Come down yeah. and enjoy Troy with us. Absolutely. Leslie, of course, thank you everyone out there who for checking out the show. You can find Stories from a Bar on Facebook. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at StoriesFAB. You'll find the show on Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much anywhere you'd listen to a podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Even more importantly, leave a fantastic review. I greatly appreciate it. Help spread the word. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.